so. Uh, a friend of mine is a very high achiever and uh, he excels in absolutely everything he does and he got awarded the Rhodes Scholarship. Do you know what that is? Rhodes Scholarship? Oxford University. So he went to Oxford University and because he was a Rhodes Scholar, he got to meet a whole bunch of amazing people. And uh, he went to Oxford, met Oxford Don's uh, pro professors, members of British Parliament, met Bill Clinton, had a conversation with him, uh, sang for Nel Nelson Mandela in the Oxford Choir, as you do, then had a conversation with Nelson Mandela afterwards, and the list goes on. And usually my friend would understand that he was in the presence of greatness. Usually he'd get it, he'd say, oh, this is Nelson Mandela, he's amazing. Oh, this is Bill Clinton, not so amazing, but he's all right. But sometimes he'd miss it. So he's a very clever man, but when it came to popular culture, he's a bit clueless. There was this one time he was in Washington with the Oxford singing group, and they were at this big reception, big dinner. Uh, they were sitting down, lots of important people. He sat down, and he started chatting to the person next to him. Worked out this guy's name was George. He said, George, how, uh, what do you get up to? George said, well, I make movies. And uh, my friend said, well, have I seen any of the movies you might have made? And George said, probably. And uh, my friend said, what are they? And George said, have you heard of Star Wars? To which my friend said, no, are they popular? <laughs> and George Lucas said, yeah, they did pretty well. There's my friend sitting next to George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars. He totally missed it. Now, I've been in the presence of uh, greatness a few times too. Uh, one time, this guy, I don't think this is working. Is it on? Here we go. Boom. Oh, no. That's the wrong one. That's the wrong one, Tony. I'll let you try and work out where the right one is. It's called Vision Sunday. Should be on the, on the um, thing. Anyway, he's not there, but there's a photo of Luke Longley. And I was telling Russ last week about Luke Longley, and the photo that hopefully Tony will be able to find in a minute, uh, maybe not, is of Luke Longley with Michael Jordan, with a championship ring on his finger. Luke Longley played in the NBA, that's basketball, for you plebs who don't understand. And they won three NBA championships, uh, well, Luke Longley did. Oh, great. Well done, Tyus. There he is. Man, that was quick. There's Luke Longley and there's Michael Jordan and there's Luke celebrating one of his championships. Now, Luke Longley was surfing one time when I got very bogged down at Denmark on the beach. And so I went looking for someone to pull us out. We won't talk about how mad my wife was at this point because I got bogged and she was heavily pregnant at the time. I found Luke Longley surfing and he came and pulled me out in his little 80 series uh, Land Cruiser and uh, at that point I realised I was in the presence of greatness. Seven foot two towering over me and yes Luke did pull me out of the bog and yes I did go back to his place afterwards and gave him a carton of beer and no he didn't ask me to stay and have a beer with him. <laughs> Unbelievable. Sometimes we realise it and sometimes we don't. This morning we're coming into the presence of greatness on a different level. Not someone who made a few geeky movies, not someone who won a few 
rings, helping people throw a ball through a basket. Someone who is absolutely everything and everyone under his rule. Someone who is so powerful and we tend to forget it. And in Matthew 28, it tells us how powerful Jesus is. Actually, Jesus tells us that he has all authority over everything. You've got your Bibles open, have a look at Matthew 28, verse 18. Remember, at this point, Jesus has died on the cross for our sins. He's risen from the dead. He's about to ascend to the right hand of the Father in the ruling position. And he explains to his disciples what's going on and what they're supposed to do. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came to them, that's his disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now stop right there. All authority, all power, all control, all right to judge has been given to Jesus. Not to Joe Biden, not even Donald Trump, not even, even Anthony Albanese. Jesus Christ has all authority over everything, everywhere. That's what heaven and earth means. There's no place in existence in which Jesus does not have the final say. He's the ruler of everyone and everything. This is the greatest person in history ever. And if this is true, then Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If he has all authority, then, and this is his word to us, then we are in the presence of greatness, aren't we? When we hear his voice in his word. And what would you expect the king of everything to tell his followers? I'm the ruler of everything, everywhere, heaven and earth. Now go and conquer the world. No? Therefore go and subdue my enemies and make, uh, establish my lands. No? What does he say? Go and make disciples of all nations. That's the second thing. Jesus tells us to go and make disciples. Have a look there from verse 19. Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So just in case you thought that was just for the disciples back then, Jesus adds that, Surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. So clearly not just talking to those disciples, right? Talking to us as disciples of Christ, if you are one. What is the one thing Jesus wants his followers to do with their lives? What is the mission Jesus is calling all his people to do with the limited time they have on this earth? Use everything you have, all that you do, to make disciples. That word disciple doesn't mean just follower of Jesus. It means learner. It's follower-learner. So, what does that mean? If I become a disciple of Jesus, I trust his death on the cross for my sins, I am made righteous through his death, and I follow him, I trust him, but I also learn from him. He's the one I'm guided by. His words are what teaches me, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And... I'll publicly acknowledge him. I'll be baptised. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what baptism is. And I'll go make more of me. I'll be a disciple-making discipler. 
When I was in the presence of Luke Longley, I didn't want to be his disciple. I wanted his autograph, but I didn't want to follow him. I didn't want to make disciples of Luke Longley. His greatness was playing with Michael Jordan and being eight foot seven, whatever he is, an absolute monster. But he spent his life putting a ball in a basket. That does not move me to want to follow him. Jesus is different. If this is true, then he is greatness on a completely different level. Now, most of us know this here. This is just reminders, isn't it? But have a look at this reminder in Colossians. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In him, that's talking about Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Talking about Jesus. Jesus is before all things. And in Jesus, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything, he might have the supremacy, be preeminent, be the greatest. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. And through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So the question here for us, Barney, is, if this is true, if Jesus rules absolutely everything, if everything was made by him and for him, if he holds all things together, if he's the firstborn from the, the dead, if he's supreme over everything, if all that's true, if this is true, Jesus Christ has all authority over heaven and earth, and he tells us to go make disciples, then what sort of church should we be? This is a word for us, isn't it? In West Leaderville. Most of us don't live in West Leaderville. Some of us do. Some of, most of us live a little bit away from it. What sort of church should we be? Because I reckon there's two types of churches, and there's a spectrum in between them. The first one is like this, a cruise ship church. Now, a cruise ship church is about you. I hate cruises, by the way. I've never been on one. I hate boats. I'd vomit when I just walk on to the vessel. But that's another story. A cruise ship church is about your comfort, your plans, your desires. It's all about you. Decisions are made for the people here. The other option is this, a rescue ship church. A rescue ship church is about one thing rescuing people one grand and noble task pulling people in from drowning and making them make sure they live now some people don't do the actual pulling in some people might work in the kitchen some people fix up the engine and swab the whatever's the decks you might feel a little uncomfortable on a rescue ship and you might think that being on a rescue ship will neglect the people who are there. That's not true at all. Because there's more community, there's more unity, there's more joy as a group on a, crew, on a rescue ship. Because you're all working towards that grand and noble task brings us all together. And that brings us to our vision because there's a great rescuer. He's just talked to us. He has all authority over heaven and earth. 
And he's told us to go and make disciples of all nations. Rescuing is not the end result. That's the mission of the church, isn't it? The end result is what we're going to look at now. So have a look at your handouts. Because God gives us an amazing vision for his church. If you were here when I gave you the sneak peek, then this won't be new to you. And the parish council and the wardens have all had a look at this and prayed through it. But this is about us seeing where everything ends. What happens when we go and make disciples of all nations? What's the point at the end? Because the vision at the end will radically change what happens now. Here, have a look there. It's Jesus Christ standing as though he'd been slain. He has been slain, died on the cross for our sins, and risen again in victory over sin and death, resurrected and ruling and reigning. Revelation 5, 6. But he's not on his own, is he? He's got a humongous crowd. Revelation 7 tells us a great multitude that no one can count from every what? Nation. Go and make disciples of all nations. All tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And these people have three things that have happened to them. They are ransomed by his blood, they are robed in white, and they are rejoicing in him forever. These people are at the end goal of what Jesus is sending us as his disciples on. The mission we're on. The rescuing we're on. These people are there at the end. And what we have, Barney's, is a limited time. Well, how are you going to use your limited time? That's our challenge. Now let's break it down a little. We've done a little bit of work to make that more us. Our vision, we see Jesus Christ standing in glory with us in his presence. We're talking about you and me, but not just you and me. I'm, I'm praying that some of my friends and family will be there. And I want you to pray that too, experiencing fullness of joy and pleasures forever through his gospel to the glory of God. That's our vision. We want us to be there. I want you to give up. I want you to grab more people and say, listen, this is... The greatest person ever wants to rescue you and bring you into paradise forever. Is there anything better? What's our mission then? Well, it's to disciple. Our mission is to show Perth the amazing majesty and glory of Jesus. There's over 200,000 people living 20 minutes drive from this venue. Now, we can't fit them all in, but we sure can aim to reach some of them. We want to proclaim the gospel in passionate and contagious, authentic worship, which this morning was fantastic, wasn't it? It was so loud in here singing. And that's because our hearts are into it. Praise God for that. Thanks, Musos. That was great. But we want to do it in worship and community as we go amongst people, making disciples, as many as we can. don't know about you, but I want to look back and go, God, by his grace, allowed me to make more disciples. So, what are we going to do? Well, our strategy is to bless, inspire, and grow. So we're just breaking this down to just get a feel. And all these things already happen at Barney's. But we just want to put it on paper so that we understand what we're trying to achieve here. We'll bless our community by ensuring they know we're here. It's not just talking about West Leaderville. It's talking about your little community where you live your sphere of influence. That they're, they're happy that we're here, we're a church, and they realise they're better off. 
because we exist. We're an inspire. We want people to join us in our gatherings, our home groups, our whatevers, that they go away thinking, I wish I'm, I'm going to come back to that. that. There's something good there. And we'll grow in our core in, uh, 5M purposes, which we'll get to in a minute, which is just really a way of ordering us so things don't slip through the cracks. The vibe, which is really important. Genuine Jesus, genuine people. We want to be a church that shows how amazing Jesus is by living out our faith with passion, authenticity, integrity in the context of loving and gracious community. It's already happening. And we want persuasive preaching, contagious worship. Combining those two things. That's the aim. I'm not saying we're there yet. Um, I'm working on my preaching. But we will continue to aim for persuasive preaching, contagious worship. Not just preaching that tells you what the Bible says. We want preaching that tells you what the Bible says and why it matters. But we also want contagious worship where you walk away thinking that there's something amazing about that because we're worshipping Jesus. Okay, we're almost there. Five M's, which we've already talked about before, are just a way of organising us so that we can make sure things don't slip through the cracks. The magnification is our gatherings. When we gather together, not just Sundays, but our gatherings in general. And this we're hoping to have through all our ministry areas, adults, children, youth, young adults. We want them to think through these five different purposes. Magnification is about magnifying God's glory in our corporate gatherings through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Membership is about community. Welcoming the new person. How do they feel when they they come amongst us? all the way to how do they actually think about committing to being with us as God's people in uh, the context of care and love and grace. Maturity is obviously growing in Christian maturity, home groups, one-to-one discipleship, training, all that sort of stuff. Ministry is serving. Lots of us serve already, but thinking about how can we serve in teams and get better at doing that? How can we raise up pastors, ministry apprentices, all those sort of things. And mission, local, evangelism, reaching out, actually telling people about Jesus Christ. We're going to do that um, after Easter. We're going to run a little thing called Hope Explored. Three uh, nights where we watch a, a talk about hope from a Christian perspective. We have some dessert together in the hall. And my hope is everyone comes. Just come and check it out first. Bring a friend if you want. You don't have to be after Easter in term two, three weeks, hope explored. But what that will do is it will help us to see this is something I might want to bring my friends to. Uh, and they will hear about Jesus from that. And then global, we have lots of global mission partners. We want to raise up more and support them. Okay, let's go a bit faster. There's specific ministries there. There's more. Uh, that's not an exhaustive list, but they're there for just for your information. Let's just go to goals for 2024. Five things we want to see, and this is not exhaustive either. This is just, and I apologise if anyone's here and is, if Barney's isn't your church, uh, this is a little in-house today, but it's really important. So firstly, we want to increase our, our prayer across all ministries. We want a, a prayer coordinator, and we want to have a whole church prayer meeting at least once a term, and think about prayer triplets, because we depend upon God to do this. 
You can have all the fanciest strategies and whatever's in the world, but if we don't pray, we don't depend upon God, it's all for nothing. So prayer must be number one. Number two, appoint leaders to oversee each M area. Um, we want to recruit leaders and think in those structures. This takes time. It's, it's going to take time to embed these ideas. Uh, and if you think you've got a better idea, I'm happy to hear it, of uh, organising uh, church. Train leaders, number three. Next week, we're doing some leadership training for everyone who wants to come. Equip leaders training. It's just lunch. Bring some sandwiches, please. And an hour and a half of looking at what the Bible says about serving, about being a leader. And then we're going to focus specifically a little bit on being a welcoming church. So 10 a.m. and 5 p.m., everyone's coming along to that next Sunday, 12 to 2. Uh, Number four, we're going to structure for healthy gospel growth. God has graciously raised up Joe. Put your hand up, Joe, if you haven't met Joe. He's our new associate pastor for youth and young adults, two days a week. Joe's planning with some of our guys to launch a junior youth group. He's going to have influence upon our Sunday night church, uh, which we've started. Praise God, please be praying for that and come along when you can. And then uh, Tim Bowles also is looking to launch a monthly creative worship service, which would be cool, on a Saturday night. Then finally, uh, yeah, Joe. We've put Joe on, which is a, a great gift from God, but we want to work towards adding extra days as God provides the funds. So there we go. There is a quick snapshot of what we want to achieve. Let's finish up. Let's just think a little bit about, oh, okay, got all that. What do we do? I think we want to do five things, just quick. We want to be a praying people. So please take this booklet home and pray through it. Just pray through it. That's all you've got to do. Just pray through it and think about how does the Lord want you to be involved in this because we must be a praying people. We must be a giving people. Most of us already give online uh, to this, but none of this happens without uh, God providing the money through us. Me and Kinney uh, reassess our giving every year and think about, okay, what in 2024, how are we going to give primarily to the local church. Uh, So I'd encourage you to do a 2024 reassessment uh, of your giving. I will be a discipling church. Discipling isn't that hard. Remember we've heard Jesus say, go and make disciples. That's not just the pastors do that, right? Lots of us are already discipling others and it's really encouraging. But everyone can disciple someone else. Here's how it goes. You say to a person... Do you want to catch up for a coffee to read the Bible and pray? That's it. Simple. And they say, oh, that's a bit weird. You say, yeah, I know, but why don't we just give it a go? And they say, uh, maybe. And you say, okay, I'll see you at this cafe on this time. When you get there, don't just, don't just chat. Chatting's fine. There's nothing wrong with chatting. Nothing wrong with having a coffee. Open your Bible. Just say, hey, why don't we read like five verses of Ephesians every time we catch up? talk a little bit about how that impacts our lives, pray for each other and talk about uh, Granny's knee, how sore she is at the moment, whatever the issue is with you. That's discipling. How easy is it? Think about who are you going to disciple this year? One person. That's all you need to do. Number four, we'll be a gospel-sharing people. All of us are already trying to do that, I reckon, 
but we want to continue to share the gospel with those around us. And we're providing a place to uh, invite people to in term two after Easter, Hope Explored, which we'll talk more about. But um, please be praying that we'd be able to share the gospel with others. We live in a, a city that is dying and needs hope. And that hope is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the treasure we must share. And finally, we'll be a caring people. We do that already in home groups, in uh, different ways of caring. We're establishing a pastoral care team. See, Helen, if you want to be part of the pastoral care team. But everyone cares for one another. That's what God says. Jesus tells us to go love one another as he has loved us. So there you go. There's a lot in there. And it's a, it's a work in progress. But I ask you to keep praying through this document and come and chat to me if you want to uh, think more about it. But praying, giving, discipling, gospel sharing and caring. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good. This is a grand vision. The mission is clear. Church is not an optional extra. It's actually the heartbeat of our very souls because Jesus has all authority over everything and he tells us to go and make disciples. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your amazing grace in Jesus Christ that he has all authority over absolutely everyone and everything. He's the greatest of all time. And so we pray that each one of us here would hear his voice, would see that he's telling us to go and help us, Father, to go and make disciples. We pray that we as a church would be a praying people, we'd be a giving people, we'd be a gospel sharing people and that we'd be a caring people. Father have mercy on us we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.